Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I'm Samaria Jamal of AccidentalMuslims.com, Durban. AccidentalMuslims.com is a movement and a platform where we showcase current and future leaders to help us live with purpose. This podcast hopes to add value to your life, so listen up and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to AccidentalMuslims.com, Durban. I'm Samaya and joining me we have our guest host, Sister Neymat Rabubi, who is an author and a blogger, as well as our guest for today, Dr. Isa Abu Baker. Dr. Isa holds a master's degree in homeopathy from the Durban University of Technology. In 2012, she founded Dr. Baker's Weight Loss and Aesthetics and stories of her patients have traveled far and wide, nationally and internationally. She is the author of a recipe book with 80 recipes called Skinny Delicious. She's a mom of two as she believes that weight loss and general wellness can be easily achievable with the correct support mentally, physically and psychologically. With her practice in the central hub and heart of Durban, she is considered an expert in her field. Dr. Raisa, Assalamu Alaikum. Introduce us to Raisa Abubekar who then became the well-known Dr. Raisa Abubekar. Okay, so um, I actually got married very young. I was still in school, um, end of grade 11 and beginning of grade 12. Um, I had met my husband and we decided to do the right thing and get married, which was probably a change of life plan for me because I only intended getting married when I was 23 and now I was 16 and deciding to start a new journey. So I completed the first year of my marriage uh, through going well going through matric at that time and uh, in that year it was obviously a bit difficult for me because I had now moved from my parents home and moved to my in-laws of house course. and daughter no duties and so on and then at the end of that year um, when I had to choose obviously what career I was going to go into my dad had said to me uh, that or my uncle as well had said to me that there's so many medical doctors in the family why and I was going to go and study medicine why don't we try an alternate form of medicine because he had been to a homeopath and had seen good results right. so uh, being married and making the decision I always uh, like to take my family's uh, uh, thinking behind it as well into consideration okay. and they said uh, go for go for homeopathy so I agreed and I decided to apply for that um, it was a year into my first year at university that I had initially decided I would study BCom okay. uh, because it was just easier. But two weeks into BCom, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was so boring. <laughs> um, and I decided to leave uh, and go and do a BSc in Botany and Zoology uh, through UNISA. And it was Alatala's plan that in that year I would fall pregnant. So it was a good thing I was doing it through UNISA. Mm-hmm. I fell pregnant in that first um, uh, uh, practical session that I had to do at Porchestrum. We had to dissect frogs and rats and earthworms oh and so on. And, uh, you know, the nausea through pregnancy I got to me every morning. I would throw up. And I, I passed that year. And uh, when I was eight months pregnant, I was called for an interview for homeopathic medicine. And um, when I left the interview, I got a call immediately to say I've been accepted for the course because there's a very limited number that they take in for the year, about 25 students. And six weeks before university started with the first year, my first son was born. Six years later, as it's a six-year course, and we do um, a master's degree, so I had to do a thesis as well. Right. 
we chose to do a clinical trial on the treatment of um, primary hypertension in adult females using homeopathic medicine. And the trial proved that it was effective in treating um, primary hypertension. And on the day that I completed the thesis and handed it, and not even handed it in, I just printed it out to be signed, was the same day I went to labor with my second son. So so that was where my journey began. And I've always been someone who'd like to do, to try try and go the extra mile. And so when I had completed my thesis and it was signed and I graduated, uh, two months later, my son was, I was still at my mom's house, didn't want to leave, not have any help. But then um, my dad pulled me out of the room and he said, we are going to work now. So I went with him to his medical practice and I opened my first practice there. And that is where it all began. So I had patients coming to me for many different reasons, the little patients that I had. But each month it grew. And I Mm -hmm. think um, the weight loss and aesthetic part of it was just a side effect of trying to create wellness. And that is where we are today. Okay, wonderful. Alhamdulillah. So... Did you see yourself as ever becoming a homeopath and esthetician? Probably not um, right at the beginning when you were a little Mm. girl, since you wanted to go into uh, allopathic medicine. Mm. But afterwards, after you just opened your practice, is this where you saw yourself coming to? No, I never actually thought about aesthetics then. Um, And it was... uh, the funny thing was is that we were approached by certain companies and they looked at what we were doing and they said we'd like to uh, assist you to build your uh, to like like for example the fact that I'd done a thesis or a mm. clinical trial on primary hypertension and using homeopathic medicine I had a pharmaceutical company contact me and said we would like to use your research um, in manufacturing uh, something more natural for people to start with with so that was amazing and from mm. there we just had Companies. Then I had a company approach me with a weight loss aid that they would like me to introduce. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it just grew. And then there's certain things that you like to take on and certain things you think you should step away from. But I've mm-hmm. always asked my family what they would think, asked my husband what he would think, and then make a decision based on that. I don't think I've ever made a decision without um, taking into consideration what the people around me think and how it would affect them as well. So if you look back to where I was many years ago, I always thought I would be um, in medicine. I knew that because my dad is from that background and 90% of my family are from the same background. But being a homeopath and aesthetician at the same time, no, I would never have thought that I would be there. Yeah, you know, absolutely, because this is not something that's also a degree or a course, a career course that's chosen by many people. Um, yeah. I didn't even know that something of this sort existed, I mean, you know, until yeah. I heard of you. <laughs> so the same would go for me. Yeah. I don't think I would have ever, um, I've never, probably never heard of homeopathy before I finished. And that is when, mm-hmm. when I decided, no, I'm jo- choosing my career, I'm filling out this application form now. And and my and it just so happened that my uncle had tried everything possible to treat his ailment, and then homeopathy worked for him. And even when I went to study homeopathy, mm-hmm. I was still quite uh, a medical-minded. Po- I had already delivered a baby when I was sixteen. Oh my god! So and stitched up <laughs> and assisted with the stitching of a patient who was um, a gunshot patient or and a stabbing victim outside my father's surgery. I used to go with my dad to work like every weekend or every mm-hmm. alternate weekend. It was fun, it was exciting, I'm and sure. I knew I wanted to do that. And I'm so glad that I chose this career path because I think the, the wellness part and seeing your patient um, fall pregnant after so many years or seeing someone lose so much of weight mm-hmm. and restore their health, 
it's so rewarding and I, that's what makes me get up and want to come to work every day what the sure. results i'm going to see for the day yeah. are going to be so you know so is homeopathy you know very different to allopathic medication and can a homeopathic treatment then replace a usual visit to the doctor so you know there's two types of homeopaths uh, that you get one that likes to treat clinically treating clinically is like uh, what a gp would do treat like okay. the symptoms as well they can treat the cause they can treat the symptoms as well um and then treating classically which is taking into consideration the patient's constitution so i like to practice a combination treatment i like to do clinical and uh, constitutional at the same time or classical at the same time so if a patient comes to me for weight loss we always go into questions like what are your cravings like yes it's a standard weight loss question but what could those cravings actually mean a lot of the time a patient says to us i crave chocolate all the time or i crave salty things and what does salt have to do with uh, with their emotions and sometimes we find that the patient will tell us no i lost somebody very close to me so many years ago and ever since then i've developed this condition or cancer for example a mom who's lost her child at the older a later stage they she develops breast cancer what relation does that have with your emotions or a woman who's been abused for many years and then develops some sort of cancer is there any link so new research um, is what i look at all the time and always look for articles that will show you the evidence of the evidence based medicine and how can you have proof that something works properly So integrative medicine is the new in thing. It's where you combine medical practice and alternative medicine. And that is what I like to promote in my practice, using both if you have to. And if you'd like to go one way, don't try not to do that. Try to combine both treatment methods and learn to work with those around you. We work with many GPs in the area, many physicians with such positive outcomes. So it's all about being open-minded and not staying that it's either this way or the other. So I've seen a lot of medications in homeopathy that seem like really tiny tablets or little balls or things like that. So are those medications really that effective or do they take longer to kick in compared to normal medicine? So it depends on the patient themselves and the the practitioner that is treating that patient. If you are spot on with the selective um, homeopathic medicine, then you should start seeing results immediately. If you've had a, a medical condition for 10 years, we can't expect cure to be within 10 minutes or a day. We expect 10 days to a month for a, it depends on the condition as well so a patient with eczema who had suffered for many years um will notice that it does take a few months before it can clear up but if we incorporate diet lifestyle and alternative medicine we're seeing better results because you're targeting the patient from all angles okay um and just because i've heard a lot of people um and seen them treat homeopathic medicine as less powerful than mm-hmm. allopathic medication mm-hmm. do you think that that's a dangerous thing to be doing to be playing almost or, or uh to be uh, underestimating the power of the medications that they're taking if they're homeopathic i don't think it's so much as dangerous i think you shouldn't ask, underestimate the mm-hmm. the power of using alternative medicine Um, homeopaths use more than just homeopathic remedies. They use uh, herbs and phytotherapeutics, um, sometimes Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine as well. Um, and incorporating the use together or knowing how to use them at the same time is what will give your patients quicker results. Mm-hmm. So herbal medicine or phytotherapeutic and herbal extracts and tinctures are generally 
generally supportive for an organ, whereas homeopathic medicine is trying to treat the root cause. So using them together, your patient would have quicker results. So that is why I like to incorporate classical and clinical homeopathy in one treatment. Okay, I see. So there's been an overload, you know, of nutrition and weight loss information, especially with, you know, social media. And so is this simply a fad or a consumer-ridden concept? And do you think, you know, they're monopolizing the situation, seeing that as a society, our eating habits are totally unhealthy and the number of obese individuals are on the rise? Yeah, so I definitely think that there are many eating plans and eating programs and weight loss programs out there that are uh, currently um, sort of a trend or a fashion. And uh, the problem I have with that is that one plan doesn't suit everybody. Um, currently, you'll see programs like paleo and banting and keto diets and detoxes and so on um, thrown out in the public. And we all want to do this cleanse and, and follow that plan. And uh, I get the feedback from the patients who followed it saying so one patient will say, I lost 10 kilos on this plan and now I'm stuck and I still got another 20 to lose. And somebody else would say, I didn't lose anything on this plan. And, or I followed the plan, I lost weight, but I was absolutely miserable. We don't want our patient to feel that way. So our eating plans or, or weight loss programs are very patient orientated. We will maybe adjust a plan. So if we decide we want to introduce something that is similar to a keto or paleo or a banting diet, but it needs to have optimum wellness in mind, is eating high levels of animal fat wellness no it's not it actually can cause a further hormonal imbalance in the body and what sort of lifestyle does that patient live how stressed are they is their stress levels co contributing to their weight gain and if so introducing high levels of animal protein would it be a good thing or a bad thing and how do they uh, interact furthermore for me it's nutritional deficiencies that we look at majorly so even though you're on the best eating plan if you live in south africa you're very likely to be vitamin d deficient and especially if you are of asian or african skin so your darker skin types tend to be more vitamin d deficient and this even something so simple like a vitamin d deficiency can lead later on to underactive thyroid to lead to female hormonal imbalances uh, and cause weight gain but apart from that, it sets off your mood to be very low, very depressive. Um, and, you know, we see these patients coming in and crying in our offices. And you don't know what's upsetting them. And they don't know what's upsetting them. But it's a simple nutrient deficiency. So we like to base our eating plans on the lifestyle and the medical history of that patient. Do you think that superfoods are as good as they're said to be? Or do you think that their benefits are being exaggerated? Okay, so number one is sometimes you hear of superfoods that you've never seen in your life. <laughs> and I think that puts people off, like, right. oh, how would they have spirulina or, you know, like, <laughs> when there's such simple superfoods around us. So take, for example, berries. We look, we've been told raspberry ketones. Now, what is raspberry ketones? You can pop into a store next door and mm -hmm. get uh, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. And those are superfoods. So superfoods, in my opinion, should be what grows in your environment and in that season should be eaten in that season. And that will provide you with the superfood effect because it has the antioxidants to fight off bacteria and viruses at that time of the year in the place that you live. So if you live in this country or another country and it's a different season, eat or you're visit visiting on holiday, you should eat what's grown locally and that is your superfood. Um, for females especially, um, keep the simple ones like nuts and seeds, simple fruit uh, like berries are really good for restoring hormone balance to the body. 
And then if you want to be someone who is um, taking in a daily superfood and you enjoy a cup of tea, then some green tea on a daily basis will give you the superfood effect. There are things like kefir as well, wheatgrass that you can include in your smoothies um, or take in a tablespoon form, maybe a juice every morning. I personally like to suggest to my patients to start with something green every day because once you, you have something green in the morning, it sets your tone for the rest of the day. You will make better choices for the rest of the day. However, if you start your day with a cup of coffee, you're more likely to reach for that chocolate or the unhealthy snack as well. My word, that, that is so interesting because I'm just listening to this and this is, is me. Because I mean, in the morning when I have coffee, I often do tend to feel like, you know, you want to have a chocolate or something sweet. Yeah. So from um, now on, you're going to try having absolutely. something green in the morning. And, <laughs> and I think it also, you know, I think maybe it's a misconception people have when it comes to coffee is that, does it really wake you? So the caffeine, so yeah. that's why we suggest I suggest to patients don't just uh, wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee because the caffeine in there mm. starts to wreak havoc in the body because it's a stimulant. But if you had something green in the, mo- in the morning, you've just given your body a whole lot of super nutrients and it can think better and function better, especially for somebody who doesn't eat in the morning. To have a smoothie or a juice is actually quite convenient and easy. People think it's difficult. Personally, in the morning, I'm always in a rush. When I leave home, I'm dropping my kids off at school and I come straight to work. So I have to be ready to leave the house. Other mums might find that they still can go to school in their pajamas, go back (laughs) home, change, and maybe they start work a little bit later on. But to make it easier, the night before, I have all my veggies prepped, maybe two or three, like cucumber and baby spinach, already washed. I actually put it into the blender with one fruit and I leave it in the fridge. And the next morning, I add in a glass of water and blend. That's it. 30 seconds and it's done. So you can go as simple as you like with superfoods or you can incorporate all of them into your diet. Just make sure it's manageable and something that you can maintain. You don't need unnecessary ones. Find out what would be best for you. When we see a patient and she has maybe heavy menstrual cycles Mm -hmm. and she suffers with breast tenderness once a month, she is gaining weight on her hips, on the bust, um, on the tummy as well, we can tell that this patient is estrogen dominant, then we'll include more berries in the diet, we'll include nuts and seeds in the diet. Whereas somebody else is coming in with insulin resistance and elevated cortisol levels, then the air superfoods will be slightly different. So it's all patient orientated. And it's so simple and easy to determine if you suffer with estrogen dominance or elevated or low cortisol levels. And insulin resistance is just the tip of it. It's so much deeper than that. All right, so uh, changing the tone a little bit, let's uh, talk about the Quran and your and the Hadith. What's your favorite Quranic ayah and your favorite Hadith, the one that's been with you for the longest? So, you know, I would the one that's been with me for the longest would be seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. I think... I love that. <laughs> um, even up, to, up until this moment, like if I needed... If I couldn't fall asleep at night, I would be reading an article or, you know, uh, listening to something that's uh, a podcast or a video, something that's going to make my brain more active. But I could never sit in a one place and, you know, you know, people talk about me time or what's your me. My me time would be looking for more information. That's how my brain works. Um, and I think that actually that slogan has been with me from the time I was in grade four. I think, or when I actually changed schools, when I went to Alphala College, that was their, that, that's their line, yeah. seek knowledge from the na- cradle to the grave. And it stuck with me ever since then. And even for my kids, it would be, let's go learn about this, or let's go and uh, read about that. 
And it doesn't always have to be something that has to do with reading. Experiencing life is gaining knowledge. Going and trying something you've never done before. Trying a fruit or a vegetable you've never heard of or tasted or seen in your life is a learning experience. And I, and I always say to people, we're so quick to go and eat something that's junk food and we've never tried before. We don't even know what goes in there. But when it comes to eating a fruit and a vegetable that you haven't seen before, you're a little bit apprehensive. But wouldn't it be safer to do it that way? So, yeah, so that would be my favorite. In a Quranic ayat, you know, I think it would be a surah then. Mm-hmm. That would be, um, that would reminisce with me. And that is something that I like to read every day. And it's not just one, but I feel that protection in, in, in all forms, protection in your, in your grave, protection in your life now, mm-hmm. protection yes, yes, from, yes. you know, the punishment in oh, the year yes. after um, is important. And I, I wouldn't want to put it down to one surah or one ayah. And I would say the advice that I'd like to give to somebody is every day, no matter what, we've all been through difficulties. If you turn to the Quran, that is where your cure is going to lie. So read Surah Yasin every night, Surah Sajda, Surah Waqiyah and Surah Mulk. Because those four are going to save you. You will, you will get over any hurdle, no matter where you are. I had a lady who sent me a message the other day. She told me about her financial position and you know that she couldn't afford treatment. Mm. And then I said to her, look, no matter what you're going through, just start this tonight. Start reading Surah Waqiyah. And it was a simple bit of advice that someone had given me years ago. And she said it really worked for her. So look at that. And then, you know, as you get more popular... I remember in 2016, I had won an award, the Business Women's Association, uh, Emerging Entrepreneur for 2016. And when I left there, I thought to myself, this is there's so much publicity. And people said, don't, uh, don't post pictures or don't do this or you're going to be too much in the limelight. And I think what my security is, is that from that day, I decided I'm going to read Manzil every night. Oh, and whether yes, you believe yes, yes. it or not... That's your protection. So those surahs, your four quills that you're reading every evening is your protection. So read it. And it's so easy. It doesn't even take 20 minutes to read all of that. And maybe you'll even by heart it, which would be a bonus for you in the future. (laughs) So you are a mom of uh, two busy boys, a wife, an entrepreneur. And I know you're also on the mom's committee at your kids' school. So I'm sure that keeps you busy as well. Can you um, perhaps share some tips um, for other moms who are going through, you know, a similar of being working and trying to keep up with being very supportive to their kids, to their husbands, to being there for their families. What advice would you share with them on the balance of life? I think it's important to have that balance. You have to find the balance that works for you. What works for me might not work for someone else. But I'll share what my balance is. I enjoy coming to work, which is a bonus. I also love being around my kids and my family. Sometimes you need me time. Your me time is your downtime. It's a time when you, for me, it would mean I would put my cell phone away or leave it upstairs in my bedroom and go and relax in another part of the house. That takes some special kind of willpower. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think once you've been receiving so many messages or you've been so active on social media, you feel a bit drained. And oh yes, there is an overload. Yeah. So um, the me time would involve my cup of tea. It doesn't have to be a herbal tea. It can be a regular cup of tea. And just sitting in and not thinking about anything in particular. Um, I'm a big fan of watching uh, crime documentaries. But I don't watch those that are too dramatic. I'm not a fan of going to the movies. So alhamdulillah, that doesn't happen too often. But me time is where I like to explore the world also. So once a year... My family and I will go somewhere, we'll go to the Drakensberg, go somewhere local or, or maybe inshallah overseas or an Umrah trip where you can just let go of everything and just be yourself. 
and take into uh, take into consideration the surroundings that you're in and take advantage of them as well so you have to find balance i mean being my kids are totally different ages one is going to be 14 and the other one is 7 and i've been married for what almost half my life well more than half my life now so um i think the the growing up i had to grow up quickly so sometimes i like to do the things that i would have done many many years mm-hmm. ago um and do it with my husband and do it with my family and you know shukr my family is all close to me and and nearby alhamdulillah yeah so my me time is spending time with them in terms of being on the mums committee you know so many mums say to me even when i say why don't you join our mums committee they say oh uh, they're too afraid to do it but for me that's my downtime that's the time it's i'm not i'm not using my brain too much we just fundraising and you know getting together and having a cake sale and i actually find it quite enjoyable um and my kids love to see their mummy at school they love to know that mummy is part of something so it falls under both showing your kids that you love them and you care for them and their environment and also just sometimes taking a break and relaxing out of your work situation um and using your brain in a fun way <laughs> and i'm sure it must be also um a little bit difficult being a mom of a very cute little boy uh yusuf who's also done the youtube so, videos so my sons are so different <laughs> um mohammed is more reserved he's the elder one um and i think maybe he um falls under my husband more and um yusuf is just like mommy he's <laughs> active on social media he's 7 and he made his first vlog when he was 6 i think sure. um and it just so happened we were walking towards the the pyramids in egypt and he's like mommy give me your phone and he's like hey guys i can see the pyramids and it was so adorable so we built on that right. and that's where i think um my parents helped me to evolve they weren't any restrictions on me growing up there was always adventure there were you were going for a drive to nowhere you know mm-hmm. there's there's a cruise called going nowhere this is exactly what we would do when we were young we would just drive and get lost um and then obviously my dad would find his way back <laughs> um but that that was that taught me to explore mm-hmm. so even for my kids i like them to exp- okay so we've been chatting a little bit about social media mm-hmm. um I want to go a little bit further into that and talk about your incredibly popular detoxes. How did they start? What's the story behind the detoxes? So, um there was a detox running uh online um for a period of time and uh, there have been many different types of detoxes online and programs that you can purchase online that would carry you for like 10 or 12 or 15 days, sometimes even months. And there were a group of ladies who started a WhatsApp group where they all wanted to try and be healthier. So it was it was it's actually called trying to be healthy and not anything to do with weight loss and the admin had invited me to the group and I noticed on the group there were a few people that um I recognized as patients and there were other people who were new to it and everyone was trying to find out is uh, quinoa good for you is uh, this is is low fat milk or is it fat free milk what should we have um so we got answering those questions and everyone was wanted to know how can they just all start together can they all follow the same eating plan so that's when i was approached by one of the members of the group to formulate a plan for them and i thought what better way to do it if we could incorporate um uh, a detox where we could do a cleanse and also help people to introduce things that they'd never tried before so if i told you you're going to have the snack at 2 o'clock and you've never tried celery in your life the detox had opened that door towards the celery you know um and so we created three different types the first detox was um very well received 
The second detox had different smoothies in them and it also incorporated the use of our recipe book and weight loss drops. And the third detox that we ran was a detox and a gut cleanse. So we evolved each one. Mm -hmm. And those people who had started from the very beginning had lost, we only started the detox now this year, um, have already lost like between 10 and 20 kilos. And it was just, and maintaining it comes from the treatment that you do afterwards. So we suggest to them, look, you are following the detox. It would be a good idea for you to come in and have a personalized plan put together because you cannot detox forever. Of course. And that is where people saw the most benefit mm-hmm. is that they had a backup plan and there's someone to go to, to answer to, or to ask questions to. And so far that group is going strong. Alhamdulillah. Okay, so what I've been hearing about your detox and what I've seen on social media as well, to me, it sounds like instead of the way that most detoxes are, which is about limiting your choices Mm. and being very rigid about you can only do this and you can only Mm -hmm. do that and so many things are sort of illegal almost, Mm. your detoxes seem to be more about introducing newer, healthier, more natural choices. Yes, yes, it's definitely about introducing more. I do not like the word you cannot have and I don't like to limit things in my patients programs even if I was asked can I eat this vegetable can I eat that fruit I usually say to them uh, it's unlimited in your program the vegetable choices you can go and choose any vegetable from anywhere um, or any grocery store and as long as it fitted into your tummy you could eat it so many of them say to me there's so much of food on this plan or some people who say who can't eat much will say it's a bit too much for them um, but but sometimes the key is in putting the right food into your body and not worrying too much about the quantities um, and I find you know giving them that opportunity to have the summer fruit in summer uh, it it keeps them happy nobody wants to be depressed and especially when I had one patient who said that they boil their food and it just made me so <laughs> sad I really felt so sad because why when you can cook with ghee and your food will taste good so I advise them to use ghee in their cooking so the food because ta- if you look at ghee and coconut oil coconut oil is a huge trend it's a fashion mm-hmm. it's ghee has been used for years and centuries in healthy cooking ghee and coconut oil have the same benefits but ghee tastes better so let's cook in ghee <laughs> and that's what's really remarkable about this is because we're still you know keeping the traditional way of yeah. cooking and the way that we know how to cook things mm-hmm. so that's amazing so you can still incorporate your curries in your eating in our in our personalized plans we still incorporate your we ask you what's your favorite food what do you not like to eat if our breakfast options don't suit you i personally type it out on the computer from, for my patient also to suit what they like to have so if they like a bowl of cereal in the morning then that's what they'll get but it will be adjusted so that it's going to help them to lose weight Um, if they don't like cereal and they prefer eggs we can work with that and then I print out their plan for them immediately or email it to them so they have a copy and they can look at it um, and 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 if they have questions they just pop us an email with 105 questions (laughs) and we reply to all 105 uh, during the week so just speaking a little bit more about your recipe book um, you mentioned that you even put together personalized meal plans for your patients. How did you decide or what was the reasoning behind you deciding to release two cookbooks in addition to everything that you do for your patients personally? So so the, the recipe book um, came about because patients would ask me, I actually would print them recipes from that my own recipes from uh, my computer when we were following eating plans that required a certain, like an additional meal. Um, and then I thought to myself, why do I keep printing these out 
we can actually pile them all together and 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 literally have a recipe book that would help people to be more healthy but still incorporating their favorite traditional meals so there's like a chana dish in there there's a butter chicken recipe there's uh, like a zucchini pasta there's soups there's starters there's main meals there's savories everything under the sun there's dessert there's ice cream so it now gives you the opportunity to go anywhere or visit anyone or ask anyone to visit you at home and still have something healthy and nutritious to offer them. So the book is called Skinny Delicious. Um, my husband and I came up with the name uh, where we were driving one day and we were thinking, oh, we're sitting in our, in, in, our, in, our, in our dining room and thinking, what could we call this book? It mustn't be like something slimming or it must be something that's enticing. And, the, and Skinny-licious is a commonly known, you see that all over, even in Dubai, you get a menu, it's a Skinny-licious. And then we thought, hey, but skinny delicious sounds even better. Um, and then we actually turned that recipe book into a restaurant. And from there, we noticed that a lot of people were keen to eat healthy, but a lot of people were not so keen to eat healthy. So we had like a feud. You might want to eat healthy and I didn't want to visit the same place. Um, and that's when it evolved into a diner where they could now, Legends Diner would cater for those people who had larger appetites and um, who maybe it's their cheat day or their off day and could incorporate bigger meals, but also cater for the lady or the gentleman who's really trying to be healthy but wants tasty and delicious food. Okay, so you've grown, developed and achieved remarkable things, alhamdulillah. And I just want to know who or what was your strongest support during the stressful, busy, um, planning years where you were trying to get your degree where, while you were trying to establish your practice while you were trying to do everything okay so at the the at first thought the first person that would come to my mind or persons would be my mom and my mom-in-law because I had a six-week-old baby when I went to first year <laughs> campus and so somebody needed to look after that baby obviously um, so my mom and my mom-in-law had turns uh, taking care of Muhammad um, and I would then when I would come home my hubby would make him sleep or you know sleep with him in the bed and I would study all night so I would pull the all-nighters and then the next morning when the and you know I only test you with how much you can manage and I was so grateful that my six-week-old baby would sleep through the night it was, it was shocking and it was only because I don't think I would have managed yeah. more than that and you know besides my mom and my mom-in-law I think my husband's support and the support that I get from my family in general, if it wasn't for them, I, I don't think I would have been, I can't, cannot attribute it to anybody else. Yes, obviously to Allah Ta'ala firstly, but apart from that, it would just be my mom, my mom-in-law, my husband, and then my father and my brothers and my in-laws in general. So how do you manage to live with purpose? Okay, so live with the purpose. I think what we do gives me purpose at our clinic. Um, and knowing that the outcome is not just about weight loss or not just about you looking younger or fixing the acne. It's about making an individual more confident and making them be able to succeed in their environment. You know, women empowerment is such a big thing, but I think women are already empowered. I think they just need guidance and direction. And if I had to be that person who can assist them, I try to do everything possible in every way, their health, their emotional health and their physical health as well. And I think that is for me the most important that is my purpose in life, is to empower others to be the best that they can be. Shukran so much Dr. Aisa Abubaker for being our guest today and answering these questions so beautifully. And just as a name, thank you so much for joining us and um, being our guest host for today. 
Dr. Risa, we wish you all the best with your future and uh, we know that we can catch you on social media at Dr. Ray Baker on Instagram, doing some amazing work, alhamdulillah, and uh, may Allah grant you all the success. Jazakallah Samia and Emit for affording me the opportunity uh, to be on your podcast. Um, and I think, yes, uh, we look forward to having many more together, inshallah. Jazakallah Khair, Dr. Raisa and Samia for letting me speak with you guys tonight. I had a lovely time and uh, inshallah we will speak again. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed it and that our guests added value to your life and most importantly, inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to forward all suggestions to info at accidentalmuslims.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.